Well, in the wake of Thanksgiving, I can't think of a better or more valuable way to bring this series to an end than with this truth. Gratitude and ingratitude are reflections of the true condition of our heart. It's really important to get it. Gratitude or ingratitude that we have that emanates from within is a reflection, a simple indication of what's really going inside us, going on inside of us, the true condition of our heart, whether it's beating upside down or beating right side up. All the way through Scripture, as we've seen in this series, God gives us the clear, clear teaching of this truth. But there's one story that really gets at it in Jesus' life. It's found in Luke chapter 17, and we'll begin in verse 11. It says, now on his way, Jesus' way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And you need to know Samaria to the Jewish culture was the worst place on the planet. They had compromised and diluted God's truth. They worshiped a different God in the Jewish mind's view. They hated the Samaritans. And here Jesus was on the border. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy, a disastrous and devastating disease that not only could ruin a person's life and ultimately kill them, but it also isolated them from everyone. They had to be put out of the community. 10 of these people with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance because they couldn't come close. It was not allowed, and called out to Jesus in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, all ten of them were healed, cleansed. One of them, the operative word is one, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, a grateful heart. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't one that the Jews even respected. And he was the one that was grateful. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed, healed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, this outsider to the Jewish faith? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. One grateful, nine ungrateful. And here's the reality I think we need to extract from that passage of Scripture. The condition of the heart ultimately determines our level of gratitude, not the circumstances of our life. There are people with great circumstances who aren't thankful or grateful. There are people with awful circumstances who are grateful and thankful. So it's not about the circumstances of our life that create true gratitude. It's about what's going on in our heart. And let's just be honest about this gratitude thing. When circumstances are great, it's easy to be grateful. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, it's just the way it is. It's natural. In fact, it's almost impossible not to be grateful when things are going great. You even thank your greatest enemy. Oh, you know, I'm going to thank my greatest enemy. But when things are going tragically, it's natural to be ungrateful and even to dismiss those you love the most. 
I think there's a great example in that this weekend. Michigan Wolverine fans have no problem being grateful this weekend. Isn't that right? <clears throat> sure. Yeah, I'm wearing maize and blue undergarments. I mean, it's a, whew, a great weekend to be a Wolverine fan. Now, Ohio State fans, and only because of Jesus, we care about you and accept you. Um, <laughs> Ohio State fans, not so much. I mean, it's hurtful. It's tragic for them. But as wonderful as it is to have these great, great moments, you know, these high moments, we all know they won't last. They're temporary. We have to play Ohio State again next year, and we know what it's like to be where Ohio State is right now. I mean, we knew it year after year after year. It's temporary. But here's what we need to know. God made it possible for us to be grateful no matter what the circumstances of our life. When, in Jesus, we view life not through the temporary world we live in, but through the reality of the eternity Jesus purchased for us. I think it's important to get an example of that, right? Someone who wasn't just Ryan the current of great circumstances and being grateful. We see that all the time in ourselves and other people, but what's it look like for someone to be grateful even with tragic circumstances because of the makeup of their heart? There's a woman who lived years ago named Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby. Some of you have heard of her. Many of you have not. She was a prolific and well-known hymn writer, writer of spiritual songs, who died way back in 1915. And for some of you young people, no, I did not know her. I was not yet born. I mean, 1915. Long before, really, any of us were born. But her life is still positively impacting multitudes of people here in the 21st century. But when you know the circumstances of her life, it's surprising. From a typical perspective, she would have been a very unhappy, angry, and dysfunctional woman. And not only did her father die in the early years of her life, but because of a doctor's negligent mistake. When she was just six weeks old, she was blinded and blind for her entire life. Can't even imagine. In all honesty, the tragic and traumatic circumstances of this woman's early years would have given most people, most of us, me included, more than enough grounds to play the victim's role. You know, for a lifetime of self-pity and bitterness and rage and psychological disorders to boot and not to mention a lifetime of motivation for suing that doctor off the face of the planet and suing anyone else the attorneys could identify as maybe being part of responsibility. I mean, that's how most would approach it. Yet in her autobiography, this wonderful woman wrote, quote, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God 
that I should be blind all my life. And I thank him. I thank him for the dispensation. I don't know about you, but that almost sounds dysfunctional. What is wrong with this person? But that's because we feel more comfortable in an upside-down world filled with ingratitude and playing the victim than we do in a right-side-up world that doesn't view through the lens of the temporary, but views instead through the lens of the eternal. She wasn't the dysfunctional one. She was the normal one. She was grateful. The doctor who, through his negligence, robbed her of her sight, couldn't forgive himself, and so he ran away. He moved away. He couldn't be in that circumstance anymore. But for Fanny, there was no room in her heart for resentment. She wrote, and again I quote, if I could meet him now, I would say thank you, thank you, over and over again for making me blind. You see, gratitude and ingratitude is ultimately a reflection of our heart, not of the circumstances of our life. The blindness that most of us would have considered a curse was considered by Fanny Crosby to be one of her greatest God-given blessings. She trusted God and His love so much that she was willing to consider even her blindness as His special gift to her. And because of her unbelievable attitude and grateful response to life's tough turns and tragedies, she literally became one of the greatest spiritual songwriters that the world has ever known. She wrote approximately 8,000 songs during her lifetime, many of which are still frequently sung in churches around the world. And to what did she credit her success? (laughs) She wrote, Quote, I could not have written thousands of hymns if I had been hindered by the distractions of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that would have been presented to my notice. What's crazy about Fanny Crosby is that her view of the eternal started early in her life. Her first poem was written when she was only eight years old. And I have to tell you, eight years old, I'm not even sure I was potty trained yet, right? It's like eight years old. And it reflects the perspective that was hers until her death at the age of 95. This was her poem. Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I'm resolved that in this world, contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't, so weep or sigh because I'm blind. I cannot, nor I won't. Eight years old. The story of her life, I think, is a beautiful picture of the truth of this weekend's talk. Gratitude and ingratitude are reflections of the true condition of what's going on inside of us, of our heart, not the circumstances of our life, not the things we say or the things we sing, but our heart. So if we're going to understand this issue so we can apply it to the whole idea of upside down versus right side up, I think we have to start with understanding that there are two types of hearts. And each and every one of us has one or the other. And of course, you can have a mixture. The the first type of heart is the self-focused heart. The heart is 
totally caught up in itself. And this is the heart we're born with because when you're lost in the here and now, when all you have is this moment, you're going to think about what makes you comfortable in this moment. It's going to be your natural response. You're going to go with the highs and lows of good and bad circumstances. But there's a different kind of heart, as we'll see. But in describing the self-focused heart, God gives us a clear picture that I think we can relate to. 2 Timothy 3, starting with verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves, self-focused. Hearts committed to themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. Of course, because the world's treating them harshly and they only love themselves. Unholy, without love, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God because all that matters is them in this moment. And they can even have a form of godliness, look spiritual, look righteous, look like followers of Jesus, but they'll deny its very power because it's all self-focused. Have nothing to do with them, Paul counsels Timothy. So the self-focused heart. And you need to know this can be true of people who really believe they have a relationship with God. This isn't one of those moments we should look outside the church and say, you know all those people out there, those self-focused bad people. This is a time maybe we need to focus on ourselves even inside this building. Because even in this building, even as self-declared Jesus people, we can be self-focused, right? I know I can be. I can pray to get for myself. I can serve to get for myself. I can love to get for myself. I can even give in the hopes of getting for myself. Here's the truth I've discovered after years and years of following Jesus and years and years as a pastor. Some of the most bitter and unthankful people I've ever met are people who call themselves Christians and are very active in churches. In fact, I'll be honest, some of my deepest wounds come from those who spoke the loudest as followers of Jesus. And you know what I found? Unhappiness always walks hand in hand with ingratitude. Have you ever met a severely ungrateful person who was extremely happy? No, it doesn't work. You see, Misery, when it's not tied to something biological or chemical in our bodies, which can be real, but misery is a clear indication that a person is ungrateful. And a person who's ungrateful is a clear, clear indication that they're living upside down, lost in the temporary, lost in the moment, living for themselves right now, no matter what, regardless of what they claim. But there's a second type of heart. And the second type of heart is the God-focused heart. It's not the heart focused inward, it's the heart focused outward. Bible speaks a bunch of this. Look at Ephesians 5, 19 and 20. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always, very important word, always giving thanks to God. Not when life is great, not when Michigan wins, not when 
health is great and dreams are coming true, but always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. I know when I was talking about Fanny Crosby, some of you were going, uh, there's something, she's, she's missing reality somehow. No, she was seeing reality beyond what we see. She was the functional one. She was taking everything, even her blindness, and saying, God, you're bigger than I am. Eternity's bigger than this moment I can't see, and I am going to thank you, thank you, in the name of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is what makes eternity possible for me. Philippians 4, Paul does the same thing. He's in prison, facing in his mind his death for simply declaring Jesus Christ to be Lord. And in prison, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything. And I have to tell you, I mean, yesterday I failed on this. I had so much anxiety during that game, I have to tell you. And do you see how petty this is? I'm, I'm just wanting you to know, I'm not standing up here and I've got this thing figured out. Hope you get it. Over a dumb, silly game. And I keep saying, it doesn't matter in the end. But I, I needed Valiums. I mean, it was like a tough thing. How wrong is that? Be anxious about nothing. Instead, in everything... By prayer and petition, looking to God, the lens of eternity, he's bigger than all these things, with thanksgiving, gratitude and everything. Present your issues to God. Help me to not see this in the temporary. Help me to see this in the eternal. And look what happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God-focused. People with a God-focused heart pray out of gratitude. They serve out of gratitude. They love out of gratitude. They give out of gratitude. They live out of gratitude. And as both those passages we just looked at made clear, these people are some of the happiest people in the world. They can't help but sing. Reminds me a little bit of Fanny Crosby, doesn't it, you? Gratitude and joy go together. It's a clear indication that a person is living right side up, seeing the world through the lens of the eternal and not through the lens of the moment. And here's what we all need to know. Because some of us are thinking, you know, some people have stuff to be thankful for. Others don't. Now, let's be honest. Some people do have more physical blessings, certainly, to be grateful for. All of us have, all of us, almost all of us, have what Fanny Crosby, Crosby didn't have. We have two eyes that can see. But everyone has the capacity for gratitude because of this one fact that is so often missed. God expresses his love and goodness to all people, to everyone. Look at Matthew 5.45. It's just one example. He causes his son that keeps us alive, to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain, which provides the sources of life. He sends rain on the righteous, those living God's way, and the unrighteous, those totally rejecting God. God gives his goodness and expresses his love to everyone. The problem is, 
that though everyone has reason to be grateful to God, the majority of people still aren't grateful. And can we just be honest? The majority of us, me included, the majority of the time still aren't grateful, which is why we live upside down, lost in the temporary, instead of living right side up, viewing the world through eternity. We're like the nine lepers who aren't grateful in Luke 17. And it's not an indication that you're worse than everyone else. It's an indication that you're upside down, that your heart's not right. And we need him, him to fix our heart and flip us right side up. I think to get there, we have to understand how powerfully negative ingratitude is. Ingratitude messes us up entirely. I'll just give you two universal ways. Ingratitude leads to bad choices and to more darkness. It's because we don't like what we're experiencing that we're ungrateful and then that drives us to make bad choices that lead to even worse circumstances, uh, puts us in darkness so that we're even more ungrateful and it's a cycle that devastates and so many of us are in it. Look at how Romans 1 talks about it, verse 21. For although they knew God, I mean, all of us have experienced his goodness in one way or another. We're alive. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. They were ungrateful. And as a result, their thinking became futile and empty and messed up, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, their choices we're a mess. Ingratitude leads to bad choices and darkness, but ingratitude also leads to loss and misery. We think we're fixing something by being driven by bitterness and ingratitude, but we're not at all. We're destroying, we're losing, we're causing more misery. And I think Psalm 4, 6 through 8 puts it in to start clarity. Many are asking, who can show us any good? The truth is, you look around the world and can't you go, come on, you tell me there's a good God. There's not a lot of good happening. Have you noticed that? Far more bad. Who can show us any good? And so they're lost in ingratitude, they're just lost in their misery and darkness, but the psalmist says, yeah, that's, that's true, in the temporary. But God's bigger than the temporary, he's eternal. Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy in a world without goodness than the joy they have when their grain and new wine abound, when they get the greatest harvest in the world. Their joy is not equal to the joy that God can put in our hearts, which explains the nine lepers who weren't grateful even though they'd been healed. It explains us. This person says, I will lie down and sleep in peace even though I see no good in the world for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Ingratitude destroys. And it doesn't just destroy others, it destroys us. It means we're living upside down. So here's my question. How about us? We talk about the nine who are ungrateful versus the one. We talk about most people versus a Fanny Crosby. 
But how about us? Who are we like? What are we like? Is our gratitude based on the temporary or is our gratitude based upon the eternal? Can I get just a little bit more personal? <laughs> What's your gratitude based on? If we really want to live positive, right side up, joyful lives, then we have to live grateful lives. And just so you know, Jesus made this possible. Because Jesus can take us from the temporary that we're lost in to the hope of eternity that we can live in. So how do we get there? How do we do it? Well, let me give you a couple of applications and then we're going to worship together and make an actionable demonstration of our choices this weekend. We need to remain grateful by consciously remembering what God has done, what He's done. I mean, he gave us life, first of all. He's the one that gives us the sun, and he gives us the rain, as we've seen. But he's also given us so much more. And we need to remember what he's done for us. The truth is, I have a problem with this memory thing. Um, we've now, and I'm using trite illustrations to illustrate something that's far bigger, and you know that. We've now beat, bulldozed, taken down, totally destroyed Ohio State for the last three years in a row. I mean, we've just done it. But if they lose next year, we won't remember the three years we won. We'll be calling for the coach's head. What's wrong with this team? They're doing everything wrong because we don't remember. And now take it to the important things. God, every day of our lives, pours his goodness into us and out for us. Even in the worst of circumstances, he's there. And we're ungrateful because we forget that. Right? Look at Psalm 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget what he's done. Don't forget what he's done. And the most important thing to remember is that what he's done is bigger than the temporary. We so often judge God by what he's giving to us in the moment. I prayed for a job, got a job. Prayed for safety, got safety. Prayed for my kid, and they overcame this. Prayed for my health, and I got killed. Woo, God's good. But what happens when those things don't happen? God's not true to his promises. But what are we judging him on? The moment. But God's bigger than the moment. God's eternal. And he doesn't care as much about our comfort now as he does us experiencing his best in eternity. And so what has he really done for us? Yeah, he sends rain and he sends the sun. Well, in Michigan, sometimes he sends the sun, but you get the idea. But this is what he's really done, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ungratefulness comes from a view that has us perishing. Gratefulness comes from the view that has us in the hope of eternal life. Ungratefulness 
cannot be expressed by the one who is truly seeing their life as defined by God loving them so much he sent his son to die for them and live for them so they can have new life. That's not where ungratitude comes from. Gratitude comes from that place. The question is, are we remembering what he's done? Come on. Many of you are believers. Many of you know this verse. Many of you claim it. And yet you can live in ingratitude because you're still upside down. We need to remember what he's done. And while you do that, some of you here, online, some of you can't remember what he's done because you've never experienced it. All you have is the moment. You have no hope of eternity. You're lost in your guilt instead of freed because of his grace. This is your moment. And so I think it, it makes sense to take a moment for those of you who already know him to let him flip you right side up again. And for those of you who don't, to pray with me. So would you bow in prayer just for a moment? And if you're here and you're saying, I have never let him change me, forgive me, make me new, pray with me, would you? Just in your heart, in faith, just say, God, I believe you so loved me that you sent Jesus to die for my sin and to be raised for my eternity. And so I'm confessing in faith my sin and I'm embracing your forgiveness and promise of eternal life. I'm believing in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, we'd love for you to let us know. We're not trying to make this embarrassing or a big deal. All you have to do is privately text us the name of our church, Northridge, to the number you see on the screen, 31616. You can do it from here or from wherever you're watching. And we'll send you a link. And all you have to do with that link is fill it out. Tell us what decision you made. Get it back to us. And we'll then send you some materials that can really help you grow. But that's the beginning of the application, not the end. If we're going to remain grateful, right side up, then we need to know that to remain grateful, we do it by focusing on the eternal, not the temporal. In the temporary, all of us have reasons to be ungrateful. But in the eternal, none of us have reason to be ungrateful because none of us deserve the promise of eternity. Jesus, out of grace, has given that to us. No reason to be ungrateful. So we focus on the eternal, not the temporal. In fact, it's the key to living right side up rather than upside down. Look at how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. They were being brutalized circumstantially, persecuted, betrayed, thrown in prison. Life was being torn out from under them. We're just being destroyed. But inwardly, you know where gratitude really comes from? Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, which were significant and serious, but they were temporary, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so what did he do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, that's temporary, but on what is seen, unseen, that's eternal. 
For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is how he lived, and this is the key to living right side up instead of upside down. And how can you see it? Whether you're grateful or not, experiencing his joy or not, no matter what your circumstances. Finally, if we're going to remain grateful, we need to do it, and this is going to seem so simple. But sometimes it's the simple that can be dramatic in its impact. We need to remember to daily say thanks. And I'm not talking about the pay thing, whoa, wasn't Michigan great? Yes, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about no matter what's going on in life, that we look beyond the moment to eternity and we say, God, this is devastating, this is hurtful, this is horrible. But thank you. We need to express it. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us it's God's will for us. Be joyful always, which is impossible if you're not grateful. How can I stay joyful always in a world that's so filled with misery? Pray continually. Don't see it through the lens of the temporary. See it through the God of the eternal. He's bigger than all of it. As we sang earlier, great are you, Lord. And when you do, you'll give thanks in all circumstances, not just good ones. And this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will is for you to be grateful, no matter what. Fanny Crosby was an oddity on this planet because the truth is it's the odd few who truly live the will of God, who truly live right side up, and it's the majority who don't. But you know what Jesus wants for each and every one of us? He wants for us to be the odd ones in a world of darkness, to be people of light, in a world of hatred, to be people of love, in a world of selfishness, to be people of generosity. He wants us to be like Jesus. It's the whole point of this Upside Down series. So here's the conclusion. This weekend, as we bring this series upside down to an end, I believe that God's given us a clear and simple way to consistently know whether we're living upside down or right side up. We just need to look at whether we're filled with more gratitude or ingratitude. It's pretty easy. You can pretend to us, but you know, right? We need to look at whether we're filled with more gratitude or ingratitude, that we're playing the victim's role or we're thanking God for the role he's given us. And we need to always remember the truth that gratitude and ingratitude are simple reflections of the reality of our heart. Can I ask you, what's the reality of your heart? So now in order to help us experience a lasting impact from this series, we want to encourage you to figure out what it is that is consistently robbing you of gratitude. Because something's there. Something in the temporary has its hooks in you so deeply that you can't get past it. And you're ungrateful. You haven't yet surrendered it to God. You haven't yet given it to God. You haven't yet said, your eternity makes this small and I'm going to let it go. What are you consistently ungrateful for? What are you seeing primarily through a temporary lens instead of an eternal lens? 
This is what's keeping you from experiencing the fullness of God's promises in your life. It's keeping you from living right side up. You have to identify it. And we want you to use the time that you're going to have as we have our team lead us in this next song. And we want you to identify it and then write it down on the piece of paper we've provided for you here or the piece of paper you've gotten for yourself if you're watching online. And, and when you're done writing it down, because we're not wanting you to show it to anyone and we're not going to see it. When you're done writing that down because it's between you and God, we're just wanting you to crumple it up in your hand and hold it crumpled tightly. And then I'm going to come back and pray for you and give you a solution to release this. But right now, as we worship, let God speak to you. What is it that's keeping you from knowing him? Oh 
So that's what we're doing in this moment as we hold this thing we've identified that's keeping us ungrateful in our misery, upside down, far away from God's promises, living and locked in the temporary instead of the eternal. We're calling on his name. And in his presence, with this in our hands, we're saying, I'm surrendering this to you. What's happened to me? is not as important as what you've done for me. I'm letting it go. I'm giving it to you. I'm asking you to take it away and forgive me. I'm turning to your glory, which is eternal, instead of whatever I saw as glory in the temporary. And so as we do this, can I pray for you? Father in heaven, I thank you so much for each person who's holding in their hand this thing, this description of what's separating them from you, and your grace, and your power, and your goodness, and your promises, holding them in ingratitude and misery instead of in your eternal hope. By your Spirit, give them the grace to truly let it go not just in word, but in action, to give it to you, to put it at the foot of the cross and to receive your hope at the center of them. Change their hearts, make them grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. And now as a way to physically demonstrate the release that you're giving it to God, and as a result, God is bigger than that, that you're free from that. We've put at every single exit a fire barrel, and all you have to do is take that crumpled piece of paper as you're leaving this place. It's not just at every exit. It's also here in Plymouth, outside the patio of 16th Central. We've got fire pits out there. You can go and spend greater time there than just at the exits. And in Brighton, you have it in the lobby, and hey, if you're online and at home, use your fireplace or burn it in a safe way where you're not burning your whole house down. I mean, but the issue is to say, because of Jesus, it's gone. Because it is. The temporary world is temporary, but God's eternity is forever. And that's where we find light and love and joy and gratitude. 
And when we find that, we become what this world needs, the light of the world. So let it go, let it burn, and let us instead burn in the joy and gratitude of God's glory. I'm so glad you were here this weekend. We'll see you next time.